Getting Better Healthcare is brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Every American is acutely aware of the issues surrounding our healthcare system. We know miracles can happen, but we find ourselves bombarded by conflicting information and are uncertain of what and whom we can trust. We have some of the best medical care in the world for those who can afford it. Incredible new drugs that change people's lives but can be very costly. Many of the best doctors the world has ever seen, but not all are perfect. That's why Dr. Steve Feldman created the show, Getting Better Healthcare, to help walk us through the labyrinth, helping us understand how to take better care of ourselves and to better understand the challenges, issues, controversies, and complexities of our healthcare system as it exists and as it could be. For better healthcare and a better healthcare system, listen to the doctor. Now, here's Steve. Welcome to Getting Better Healthcare on webtalkradio.net. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Feldman, founder of the DrScore.com physician rating website. Medical science has developed a number of ways to keep people healthy, and surely keeping healthy is probably one of the best ways we can lower the cost of health care. Unfortunately, the public isn't taking advantage of those ways of staying healthy, in large part because our health care system doesn't encourage it. Our system is set up to pay for really expensive medical miracles. And maybe that's not the best way a system should run. To discuss this with us today, we have Dr. Paul Grundy. Dr. Grundy is a physician and a master's in public health. He's global director of IBM's Healthcare Transformation Program. He's current president of the Patient-Centered Primary Care Collaborative. Paul, thank you so much for joining me on the program today. Um, let's start by talking very briefly about some background information about the problems we're having with our healthcare system now. From the standpoint of a large buyer of care, companies like IBM, um, we, we really have reached a point where the cost issue is unsustainable. We've reached the cliff. Um, that's one of three trends that, that are really driving the transformation that's occurring um, in the United States. We, we really have to move away from what we currently buy, which is episodes of care paid for with fee-for-service, um, in which the care is not comprehensive, it's not integrated, it's not coordinated, and it's not accessible. Um, to care that's that's much more integrated, coordinated, and accessible. Um, so about five years ago, now, maybe six, um, IBM reached out to 47 large buyers in the Fortune 100 plus TRICARE and the Office of Personnel Management and really wanted to have a conversation around how we change the covenant uh, between the buyer and the provider of care to be able to get care that was based in a comprehensive healing relationship with a primary, primary care provider that was accessible to our employees that would be integrated into the care that they get um, from special specialists and hospitals and that would be comprehensive in nature. I hear um, where you're going. And, and before you get there, I just want to make sure I understand the problem that we're addressing. So, um, you know, I heard that uh, car makers spend more on health care than they do on steel. And on this program, we've talked to the military that's told us 
uh, or, or to a military specialist, but budgetary specialist, who told us that that uh, healthcare costs are crippling readiness in the military. So there's a huge cost problem that you're trying to solve. Not not to mention the quality issue. That's exactly right. The value proposition of what we get uh, for the healthcare that we spend <clears throat> is the issue uh, for us. Um, we 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 spend twice as much as any other developed economy for the care that we get and yet it's dead last it's 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 of all the developed economies it delivers the lowest value proposition in the indicators that would that would address um, most clearly the value of the care that you get so one indicator for that is the years of life that are that are lived um, from age 40 15 years on it's one of the best indicators of how well the delivery system works. And again, we're dead last, but we're dead last at twice the price of any other developed economies. This current issue of health affairs looks at another indicator, um, which is, which is uh, um, the, the, the percent of lives below age 75 that were amenable to being addressed by a functioning, effective delivery system um, that, that could have been saved by, by an effective delivery system but weren't. Um, and they looked across the developed economies as well. And again, in that indicator, we were dead last, and we were dead last still at twice the price. So the value proposition of what we buy <clears throat> is, is terrible. It's really absolutely completely unacceptable. It's not only outrageously expensive, but it's outrageously expensive and, you know, it's just of extremely, extremely low value. It, uh, it doesn't sound like a way of selling uh, computer chips or, uh, you know, any, any other product a company, a successful company would do. Well, in fact, healthcare is the only business in, in this country, it's the only business that doesn't think of itself around efficiency. It thinks of itself only in the sense of who's going to reimburse me and how much. It doesn't even ask itself the question, you know, how do I drive, how do I drive efficiency? How, how, do I, how, do I, how do I drive those numbers in a better direction than they are? Um, we, we've really reached that point because we've, <clears throat> we've managed in the way we've set up our reimbursement system to reward and reimburse, you know, expensive procedures, high-end um, um, rescue care, and, and, and undervalued what really counts in a delivery system, and that's robust primary care and prevention. I mean, for my spend as a large employer, only about 5% of what I spend is directed towards primary care prevention, managing population. And uh, in, in all the functioning economies, in all the, in, in fact, in the, in the delivery systems that work here, like Kaiser, Geisinger, Intermountain, et cetera, um, the spend is, is, is closer to 20%. The what is but closer to 20? 20%. On, on what? Uh, on primary care versus, versus the rest of the delivery system. So, 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 so buyers like IBM only spend about 5% of their total spend on primary care. Really? Just 5%? Just 5%. More successful mm-hmm. is when it's up to 20%? Yes, it should be. 
probably somewhere in the 18 to 20% range. In fact, there's one state that looked at that. That's the state of Rhode Island. They really did a deep study on systems that worked, what, what worked, what added value, and how do, we, you know, how, do we, how do we change our delivery system to add more value. And passed a law, basically, the insurance commissioner, Chris Kolar, was published in Health Affairs in May of last year, passed a law saying that the plans have to spend, I think it's 13% of total spend on primary care. And consequently, in just a couple of years, we have one of the highest, one of the highest concentrations of, of medical home providers in Rhode Island, and we're beginning to see some shifts in that market in terms of delivering better care. So I interrupted you from describing how IBM got together with um, other large purchases of healthcare, what was uh, the upshot of, of that effort? So, so we, we it, quite literally, we, we, we some of my my leadership bo- bosses, Don, I mean, um, Randy McDonald's, the head of HR, uh, Martin Sepulveda, uh, benefits. Um, I mean, we really had this deep conversation a few years ago about how we could change the covenant between us, the buyer, and the providers, to be able to get at more comprehensive integrated care. Um, and we really decided that we would have a direct conversation with the people who should be providing the care, the primary care providers. And so we did that. We reached out to all of the primary care providers. We pulled them into a room with, in Washington with some of the leadership in industry. And, um, and we had a frank and honest conversation. And it was interesting because the primary care provider organizations, the AAFP, the, the American, the, the pediatricians, the internists, the general internists, basically said, you know, we completely understand that. We, we, we would like to be able to deliver comprehensive integrated care, but you're still paying us for an episode, right? I mean, it's really based on the way Medicare structures its payment. Yes. So we, we, we really, we, having that decision, that conversation in the primary care societies, basically telling us, yeah, we would love to do this better if we could figure it out. Let's change the covenant. We, we asked them to give us a set of principles upon which that conversation could occur, and that became the joint principles of the patient-centered medical home. How do you... I mean, I, I certainly understand a business perspective. I love the idea that people are thinking that what will happen is based on the reward structure. You set up the rewards to reward high-cost, inefficient, low-value care. That's what you get. So um, how do you... Um, adequately set up a reward system that encourages comprehensive integrative care and not simply um, rewards people for not giving care at all? So that's happening all over the country. It's happening very rapidly, um, and the results are extremely positive. So what you do is you, is you put in place dials other than fee-for-service to pay for, right? I mean, if, if you want if you want to buy something other than an episode of care and a fee for a service, you pay for that. So we've had a number of pilots, probably well over 100 now. Um, many of them have results that are quite positive. And in those pilots, we're beginning to pay with different dials. So um, we begin to pay for process of change, um, for, patient, for, for uh, patients to engage their doctor differently, um, we pay to have better access. Um, we pay for the docs to answer emails. We pay for um, the patients to have convenience. We pay for 
um, better outcomes, um, etc. And when you begin to pay that way, you begin to get a response. And, uh, you know, basically all over the country you see this happening. Hawaii, for example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, their major, their major payer, you know, told, told uh, the docs, the providers, that there was going to be no more uplift in fee-for-service, that any uplift in payment would be henceforth um, around better value, better, you know, NCQA certifications, delivering... Uh, management of the population. I mean, if that's what you want to, if that's what you want, then that's what you should be paying for, rather than than a fee for service. So, um, I think two days ago, um, CMS announced uh, a new program, a new uh, um, a new a new a new way of paying for care um, called the. Comprehensive Primary Care Initiative, um, and they're going to be going out into the marketplace and and saying to the buyers and to the to the payers of care, um, let us pay for our CMS lives differently in these markets. Let us pay against the way you're currently buying care in these markets, uh, i.e., for better access to care, better coordination of care. Um, and and yet, you know, one more dial going in place. Twenty-seven of the Medicaid programs around the country have been doing that. Uh, probably the oldest is uh, Community Care North Carolina, but many others. And uh, we're seeing uh, in the health affairs issue um, um, for September, uh, written by Mary um, from Nashby, we're, we're seeing um, incredible results. Um, Again, just just by rewarding, beginning to reward differently, and helping the docs to transform in that process of change. So part of this is not only paying for outcomes, but helping the docs get there by paying for process change. And and this is all encompassed um, by the concept of the patient-centered home. Can you tell us a little about that? So when we when we reached when we reached the conclusion, when we reached out to the comprehensive comprehensive lists, the people who should be delivering comprehensive care, the primary care societies, and we asked them to give us a set of principles upon which we could buy, you know, comprehensive integrated care. We could buy the management of the population. They, they came back to us with a set of principles called the joint principles of the patient-centered medical home. It really combines elements of the IOM patient-centeredness, um, along with Wagner's chronic disease model, the concepts of the medical home, which have been written about in the pediatric literature as far back as 1967. You know, a place that is the system integrator, a place that at the point of care delivery, at the, at the healing cold face between the healer and the patient, information can flow, all be in one place, be looked at differently, be looked at comprehensively, and then that provider is held accountable for managing that data and managing that patient. So it's a very, it's a huge shift, right? It's, it's a shift away from, away from, you know, I open my, I open up my practice and anybody who wanders in that day, I'll give them 15 minutes of my time 
and I'll do a thing on them to I have a population that, I, that I'm going to be paid to manage. It's a huge shift. Now, how... You know, I, I just assume that when it comes to doing the heart surgery, the heart surgeon's better than the primary care doctor. And I'm, I come from a dermatology background, so I think of even simple things like potentially acne and foot fungus that, you know, hopefully as a dermatologist, I might be more efficient at managing it than the primary care doctor would. So where in this process of, of primary care is are, are efficiencies generated or are qualities improved such that people live longer and costs come down? Oh, well, they certainly do. We've seen the results of that, um, and they're pretty stark. Um, but, but, but to answer your question, I mean, there certainly is a role for a partialist. I mean, there, there is a very important role for somebody who wants to focus on doing a part of the body, um, getting really good at doing that, um, and, and being specialized in doing that, because we'll always need that. But, but what I don't want anymore are five partialists all working on one of my people and no adult supervision and nobody delivering comprehensive care. I mean, it's dangerous, it, 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 it's wasteful, and it's gotten us into the trouble we've gotten into. So, so you know, I mean, the... the the explanation was very clear. I sat in, in Chet's office in Baltimore. He's the CEO of Chet Burrell, the CEO of Care First, the largest payer in Baltimore, Blue Cross Blue Shield. And he was rolling out medical home, and you can Google what he's doing there in Baltimore. It's quite interesting. And he had this conversation with the comprehensivists on one side of the table and the partialists on the other side of the table. And the comprehensivists, you know, he... Um, we're talking about stepping up to doing this. And one of the specialists said, well, I can understand this from their standpoint, but what is it for us? And Chet said, well, if you behave, you get the referral. And the rest of that meeting, they were preying themselves, right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's illustrative of the problem that they were sitting on different sides of the table. It's very illustrative, <laughs> but... But that's, that's, what's, that's what's evolved in our country, right? We haven't, we haven't evolved an integrated system like some other places have. We've evolved, you know, paying for an episode of care and rewarding, you know, the high-end rescue care and undervaluing the folks that could deliver a better value proposition that wouldn't require that. I mean, I literally have places in the United States, literally, where my employees have the basics done to them. They have their aspirin, their blood pressure, their cholesterol, monitored, and, and, and I see one-third less need to have heart surgery, right? I mean, duh. I mean, better upstream management, lower downstream cost. Is it, it's a no-brainer. I mean, it's yeah. global. It's worldwide. Dr. Grundy, you've raised some great issues about how we can have a lower-cost health care system. It makes so much sense. We're going to continue this conversation next week. When we do, we'll focus in on some of the specifics of what a patient-centered medical home is. We'll talk about some more details about how it's lowered costs. We'll talk about how fast things are changing and why they're changing. I hope you've enjoyed the program today. Our theme music is by the incomparable Michael Zioli. Our show has been brought to you in part by Leo Pharma. Until next week, I wish you the best of health.
Thanks for listening to the show today. Remember to go to DrScore.com to get and give feedback about your doctor and to read others' recommendations about doctors in your area. It's a way to choose your path to healthcare empowerment. That's D-R-S-C-O-R-E.com, DrScore.com. And we'll see you next week right here on Getting Better Healthcare.